Hello and welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. I'm Eric Francis, your neighborhood astrologer, here with the edition for February 15th, 2024. This is the StarCast accompanying the weekly horoscope for 15 February, as well as the Aquarian Age essay that accompanied the article, long one in the old style of Planet Waves essays with uh, quite a lot of news and astrology fusion. Uh, before I get into the current astrology, the theme you just heard was the introduction theme for The Eye of the Centaur, my forthcoming reading. This is the spring reading, video reading. We've done these now for many years. It's always a big event at Planet Waves. I do realize it's somewhat close to the uh, the annual edition having come out. However, uh, this spring reading is focused on an event on the 8th of April, followed by one on the 20th of April, and then another event in May. And I'm uh, wanting to run it a little bit early to make sure that it's in your hands and that you have time to use and apply and benefit from the abundant information and entertaining, exciting presentations of astrology that I've got planned for you. And I'll get into this a little bit more at the end, but very briefly, uh, this is going to be a double spring reading. First, I'll have the 12 sign videos. Those go about 30, 40 minutes apiece. Usually I run longer, and those will be for the signs and rising signs, focusing on a sequence of events that are in Aries, Taurus, and Gemini, one, two, three, a quarter of a quarter of the signs, as they affect all of the other signs, including the ones listed mentioned. Uh, and so, this is a, a big sequence of events. When things get rolling in the spring, it is going to be very exciting, and people are going to wonder, be wondering, what on earth is going on? And what is going on is a total solar eclipse conjunct Chiron as the main catalyzing event. I'll skip the others. So Chiron is the focus of this. I've worked with Chiron now since 1994 when I was introduced to it by Laurie Burnett, co-author of Pluto Evolutionary Journey of the Soul. That is to say, the uncredited co-author of that book. And among the things she introduced me to was the work of Barbara Han Clow. And since that time, I have worked with Barbara personally and with Melanie Reinhardt and Dale O'Brien and many of the Chiron pioneers who got this whole thing going. And then I have worked with more than a thousand clients doing their Chiron transit. So I have a tremendous wealth of information about Chiron, uh, most of which I have not formalized and made available in any way other than in podcast presentations and, and uh, a series of articles. So the, the two for nature of this is part one, 12 signs using Chiron conjunct the eclipse in Aries as the catalyst and of course handling all the other information. Part two is a set of readings specifically focused on Chiron. And they are going to be an introduction to Chiron, a nice, cohesive, what is this thing, discovered in 1977, introduction to Chiron. Second, Chiron through the signs. I've developed a notebook. I've got a lot of information about Chiron through the signs. We'll take it through all 12 signs. That's going to be about a two-hour presentation, kind of a long lecture at an astrology conference, but done in my non-lecture-like, conversational, and fun way. Third, 
Chiron returns for people born 1968 through 1976. That's a lot of people in my reading and listening audience. And that will include information about all kinds of Chiron transits. Of course, for if you're younger than uh, you know, younger than that, born in, in the late 70s and so forth, this information is still relevant because your Chiron return is coming up as well. So two different parts, a 12-sign reading and then a special set of Chiron readings. All right, I'll, I'll have more to say about that at the end of this StarCast. Let's just get into the astrology of the moment. Uh, this week's horoscope is written for, uh, well, it's written based on two Two, three charts. Uh, first of all, first quarter, which is tomorrow, first quarter moon, um, which is the moon in late Taurus, square the sun in late Aquarius. And then I'm also looking at the sun's ingress into Pisces on the 18th of February. That is Sunday, I believe. And that is at uh, 11.13 p.m. Eastern Standard, Eastern Daylight. No, daylight or standard? God. Anyway, Eastern Time. Well, how is this computer on standard? Oh, no, it is standard time. Sorry. You know, this daylight savings time thing is incredibly confusing, and I am starting to think it is nothing more than a mind fuck. It just messes everyone up. Why move the clocks around? Just wake up earlier. <laughs> Go to bed earlier. Whatever you want to do. It does not matter. If we change the time, it just makes things more confusing. There, that's my little editorial. Okay, the third chart that I'm working with is for the 28th of February, looking ahead toward that, which is the Sun conjunct Saturn in Pisces. So that's kind of an endpoint of this discussion. Mercury is right there, by the way, those, the Sun-Mercury conjunction, the midpoint between Mercury retrogrades coming up at the end of the month. Okay, so at the very moment I am doing this uh, in more in little well twelve oh one p.m. Uh, Gemini is rising, Vesta is rising here in Kingston. That's of course a local affair, and the Moon is in exactly mid Taurus. It's made a conjunction to Jupiter uh, late last night. That's to say late Wednesday night, and it's about to make a conjunction to Uranus later on today so that's 15 19 at about in about eight about eight o'clock tonight uh there's going to be that sun uranus conjunction that means we are under the influence of this conjunction all day and all night it's one of those expect the unexpected get ready to change your plans kinds of events uh, these can be fun if they're not too disruptive so that's to say you have the benefit of astrology to tell you a little bit about what's going on, and that means hang loose. Uh, and then it looks as if the last quarter moon is on Friday. Okay, so uh, that's that's the the moon's thing right now. Oh, one one last moon thing. We have moon square Mercury today, and that is always a reminder. It happens twice a month. It's always a reminder to check your facts against your intuition and check your intuition against your facts. And with the moon in Taurus, listen to what your body is doing. If you if you want to go somewhere, you think you want to go somewhere, and you can't get your body to get up and walk out the door, maybe that's telling you something. So rather than forcing yourself, ask yourself, do I need to be doing this? Do I want to be doing this? Is this really necessary? And And work through some of those possibilities. But I think the the idea of what your body is doing 
is a much more important hint about what you might want to be doing or quote-unquote should be doing. In other words, you may be uh, picking up on factors that are not exactly fully at the front of consciousness, but you know that's going on. I mean, how many times have you not gone somewhere and then it turned out that you, you didn't actually need to go there or you, you really, really didn't want to go uh, but and then you went and it was completely unnecessary. So Moon Square Mercury is saying to work with both sides of that, and the the body oriented part of Moon in Taurus is uh, is is very strong. And it's the kind of scenario where you, you you might be like avoiding one thing for a reason that you don't understand, and then suddenly a whole other thing comes up, and then that's the thing to do. All right, a couple of weeks ago, I described the. Um, the real-time test of, um, of of Pluto in Aquarius. And that what that looks like is that uh, Pluto entered Aquarius on the 20th of January, and then Mercury came along and made a conjunction to that. Ah, that will tune us in. Pluto is not that easy to get a read on. Pluto, like all the outer planets, benefits from having some close-by inner planets in the conversation. This is just a simple thing that makes astrology easy to read. Look at where the outer planets, Chiron and uh, Neptune, Uranus, Pluto, where they encounter the inner planets. The inner planets are the things that give a voice to the outer planets because the, the inner planets are the things that speak our language of feelings and, and words and, and desire and need and all of that stuff. Okay, so then earlier this week, Mars came along and formed a conjunction to Pluto in Aquarius. I write about that in in my... Um, essay this week about the Aquarian age and this uh, another one of these fabulous uh, horoscopes in the New York Post where Sally just got it exactly right. Sally Brompton. So that is, um, and that's covered in the essay. So w- what you get with this concentration still existing, it's only two degrees apart right now, uh, between Mars and Pluto is a lot of concentrated power and a, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of influence. Let me see if I have the. There is a, uh, a a terrible tragedy at the Kansas City Chiefs game uh, rally. You know their homecoming rally that was very Mars conjunct Pluto in Aquarius. Think about it. Mars is martial. Pluto war. It's a sharp object. It's the god of war. Pluto often involved with. Death, Aquarius, involved with groups. It was pretty much a setup that that was going to happen, and uh, and and any other any astrologer who read that chart would have said, you know, maybe wait a few days before you do this. Of course, that's not how things are planned in the real world, so uh, we can forget about that. Okay, so then that had many different manifestations depending on where you had that occur in your chart, different kinds of tension, different kinds of group dynamics with. Pluto in Aquarius, the theme going forward forever for most of us, the rest of our natural lives, or much of that, 20 more years, uh, we'll all be pretty old when Pluto gets into Pisces, is um, studying group dynamics. Uh, People don't really do this very much. It's not a a thing that's considered especially interesting, and uh, there's not a lot of studying of things going on these days. But one thing to study with Pluto and Aquarius is going to be the way 
that groups behave. Next, another study in group dynamics. Uh, at the time of the first quarter, Venus is in the very last degrees, in fact, three degree three arc minutes away from entering Aquarius. And so that means that right after first quarter at 10 a.m. on the 16th, New York time, Venus enters Aquarius and makes a conjunction to Pluto. So we have this very intense uh, situation going on, uh, which is going to be emotionally intense. And also Venus conjunct Pluto is about sexual dynamics. It is a very lusty aspect. And the, the thing with lust is it's fine as long as a, you're modestly appropriate about expressing your lust, and then also uh, that uh, that what was the second thing? <laughs> uh, anyway, if you take the concept of this kind of lusty consciousness and put it into either a a group dynamic Pluto in Aquarius or a digital dynamic Pluto in Aquarius. So everything with Pluto in Aquarius right now is kind of like a proving moment. I don't mean proving isn't like I've proven it. By proof, proof is more like letting the bread rise. You know, it's called like a proof box. You put the bread and you put the buns in the bun, the buns, in the, not the oven. You put the buns in the proof box and leave them there for an hour and they rise. Well, the thing here is what kind of what. Every time there is a Pluto event, the question is, what emerges from that? It's actually a term that I got from homeopathy, uh, where they take a bunch of uh, people at a conference, for example, and they dose them with a homeopathic remedy, and then they all report and uh, you know track and report the various effects they had, the dreams they had, the conversations they had, the feelings and the symptoms. So that's what I mean when I say a proving moment. Every time there is a Pluto aspect, now that counts as such. Okay, the, uh, the, the, the then, then thing that happens is on the 18th, and you know this, uh, this lovely software, that is Sunday. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you the date on certain versions of its chart. It just, the day of the week, it only tells you the date. So the day of the week that the sun enters Pisces is the 18th of February at 11.13 p.m. EST. That's late Sunday night, New York time. So that means that till then, the sun is going to be in Aquarius and the sun is going to be anoretic or void of course. That is a strange condition. And I find that unusual things can happen when the sun is in the very last degrees of a sign. Unusual wonderful things, unusual bad things. And it's important to just be aware of your surroundings and, and your environment. Not take unnecessary or unusual risks unless it is a planned risk. Unless you're saying, ah, this is the thing that I want to do. This might be the time to do it. Of course, you can also say, well, let's wait till the sun changes sign. So here's where astrology gets uh, both intuitive and also based on a lot of experience. And it would depend whether you wait for the sun to change signs or you do something during the sun void, that is a matter of intuition and experience. And you have to go based on some degree of past knowledge. And also, if you have a big question, either ask an astrologer or don't worry about it. 
So the sun enters Pisces. This is a really lovely chart. So first of all, we've got still got this concentration of planets in early Aquarius. And the concentration goes Pluto in Aquarius, then followed by Venus in Aquarius approaching Mars in Aquarius. We're finally going to have a Venus-Mars conjunction. While I'm talking about that, let's say when that is. So Venus-Mars conjunctions works out there. They, the planets are both very close by, but they don't happen very often for that reason because they're, uh, you know, Venus is always kind of chasing Mars. I know it's not supposed to seem that way. We are told that women have absolutely no interest in men. Why would a woman have any interest in a man in 2024? All the propaganda you're supposed to reading is saying, no, women are not into men. Well, I've got news for you. Okay, so uh, the Venus-Mars conjunction takes place on the 22nd of February. That's in about a week. The 22nd is one week from today. That's on Thursday, uh, the 22nd with the sun and the new sign. We'll get there uh, in half a second. So uh, the sun, now I've, I've messed up my chart. Hold on a second. New chart, position, sun, Pisces. It used to take a long time to look this stuff up. Okay, so when the sun enters Pisces, the Venus-Mars conjunction coming, and that happens on the 22nd. Also, Mercury is in Aquarius. By the way, I didn't mention that the most important thing with Mercury in Aquarius is to know when you don't know. That is true of Aquarius generally. Aquarius insists, demands, for those with experience who pick this up, a measure of verification of what you believe and what you perceive. So Aquarian planets can all act this way, but especially Mercury. And now Mercury is aided and abetted by its two fellow inner planets plus Pluto in Aquarius. So don't outsmart yourself. Make sure that you verify what you believe to be true. Check things two or three times. Know when you don't know. And in my amateur epistemology program called Investigative Reporting, know how you know. The best way to know when you don't know is always practice knowing how exactly you know. Pay attention to that. Okay, so the sun enters Pisces, and there's a lovely thing in this chart, genuinely so, with the moon having entered Cancer a few minutes, be about mm, about an hour beforehand. So we've got the moon and the sun in the first degrees of water signs. If if you're not the type who has completely kind of over-medicated and cut yourself off from your feelings, having planets and water signs is really present pleasant. Humans are mostly made of water. The rest of us is made of this uh, earth which is also a form of stardust, and we respond well to planets in water signs. And, you know, the truth is that either they've been few and far between, or there's a little bit of an overabundance. So addressing that matter, we've had a bit of an overabundance of Neptune in Pisces, and that, that's gone on for about 11 years, and I think is responsible for a lot of the delusion uh, interesting that cannabis has been legalized under Neptune in Pisces, cannabis being a very Neptunian thing. Uh, that That is both its benefit and its drawback, but Saturn is now in Pisces as well, which leads to my last chart. For the first nine days of 
the sun in Pisces, the sun is approaching Saturn. Sun to Saturn is really good for getting things done. It is a subtle wake-up call in Pisces. I think that this is going to be a motivational aspect. It is a a, a kind of a, a, a journey of like slowly getting busy and making sure uh, that you know you're you're doing the things that you need to be doing. Uh, Mercury will jump into the mix and support that, and so uh, this aspect comes to a peak on the 28th at 4:25 in the afternoon. That doesn't matter. It's the 28th at the end of the month. February ends with a Sun Saturn conjunction with Mercury in the mix. So, what is not said enough? is that speaking honestly and listening honestly are two of the most important things that we need to do and that we need to learn here in human form. And humans are distinguished because we have this very precise way of speaking where uh, an, an error of an apostrophe you know, can supposedly make a big difference when really we, it wasn't that long ago we were communicating like all the other primates with grunts and gestures and so forth. And uh, I'm reading this book uh, by a fellow named Julian Jaynes, The Origin of Consciousness and the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. And one of his theories is that language developed as humans traveled north and it was dark for longer periods and they had to stay in caves and could no longer simply communicate by gesturing. That's another story. <laughs> it's a really cool one. All right. That is what I have to say to you today. Hopefully not too much. Hopefully not too little. Um, we are sending out a coupon today for the Eye of the Centaur to all of the buyers of Somewhere in Between and also all of, the, uh, all of my current subscribers, including all levels of Substack uh, paid subscribers. Welcome to a whole bunch of new Substack paid subscribers. Also, one last thing, a reading called The Shape of Time will uh, be done soon. This is for Pisces. This is Pisces Astrology Studio. So doing my best here to stay busy and make sure that you have access to really good, affordable astrology readings. That's what all of this is. Uh, these products are worth far more than we're charging if they were charged at a consulting rate. Uh, which they're very close to. And so the idea is that uh, I think that, you know, a, a professional astrology reading in the 1980s cost a whopping $50. It was a, a godly sum of money back then. For much less than that, we're offering uh, these very good quality because I do them astrology readings. All right, I'm going to sign off for now. There will be a Planet Waves FM this uh, weekend. I'm looking at having this uh, done early is going to be one heck of an addition. You may be following my uh, stuff associated with uh, Reiner Filmic and the, and the latest phony COVID truther scandal. More on that on Planet Waves FM. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your business and more than anything for your trust. With love from a gorgeous, cold, clear day in New York, I'm Eric Francis. Thanks for listening and stay in touch.